Last week we started this series called Really God. And, and I don't know about you, but the whole, the whole premise of this uh, series, which was last week, this week, and next week we finish it, the whole idea behind it is, what do you do when you want to believe that God is good, but life isn't? What do you do when you want to believe that God is good, but life isn't? How, how do we process that? How do we do that? Because you can get up here and go, oh, you just got to trust God, or da, 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 and do it, say all that stuff, and, and put it into God's hands, and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know about you, but um, that doesn't always work for me. In fact, when I'm going through a difficult time, the more people tell me to trust God, the more it makes me want to punch them in the face. Because I'm wrestling with this whole concept of I want to embrace him, but I'm also wrestling with questions. And what we discovered last week as we started out in the book of Habakkuk is that Habakkuk had the same problem. In fact, Habakkuk was a prophet. Most prophets in the Bible, except for Habakkuk, used to speak to the people on behalf of God. But Habakkuk was a little bit different in that he spoke to God on behalf of people. And the reason why he spoke to God on behalf of the people is because what he saw, he decided was not fair, that God was not doing his job properly, that God should have been doing more, that they should have been the people that were blessed, but in reality, there were people that were going through suffering and heartache and pain. And he was really having a bit of a crisis of belief. And we discovered that when people have a crisis of belief, they usually do one of three things. The first thing they either do is deny it and pretend that they're not having a problem at all. And they just keep on going around saying, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. They don't actually believe it, but they just keep on saying it. Because if we deny it long enough, hopefully it will go away. The second thing that some people do is they walk away from God and they turn around and they say, well, if you're not going to do what it is that I think that you should do and be God and be good to me and show me your goodness and kindness, then, you know, to you and I'm out of here. And they walk away. But there's actually a third thing that you can do that all of us should do, and that is that God is not scared of our questions. God is not scared of our doubts, and we can actually embrace his goodness and embrace his sovereignty, embrace who God is, but also wrestle with these questions. Why do you let the wicked prosper? Why do you, you know, all the way through the Psalms, a third of Psalms is really a writer writing, God, I think you should be doing better than this. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying this morning? And so we learn in chapter one that, that chapter one is all about him wondering. It's all about Habakkuk wondering, why don't you do what I want you to do? Have you ever had that moment? I won't get you to put up your hand because you might be embarrassed, but I can tell you I have had uh, 46 years of life, no, 47 years of life so far. 46? 47. Of life so far, I can't remember how old I am, that's how old I am. Um, and I have had plenty of occasions where I've had a conversation with God about what he should be doing and isn't doing. It's interesting that we do that because we've been God before so we would know. It's almost like when people tell the pastor how we should run the church even though they've never run one in their lives. But anyway, let's just move on from that. So chapter one is all about Habakkuk wondering, why don't you do what you should do? And I don't know about you, but last week was a little bit tough because when we came to the end of the message, I said, who wants to hear the good part? And everyone's like, yeah. And I said, there isn't. 
Because it's the wrestle, it's the wrestle with it, it's the embracing, but it's the wrestling. And so if chapter one was all about wondering why God doesn't do what he should do, chapter two doesn't get any better because chapter two is about waiting. Chapter two is all about God, when are your promises actually going to come true? You know, it's one thing to wonder why aren't you doing what you should do, but it's harder, isn't it, to wait. It's harder to wait. Chapter one was all about don't walk away from God. Chapter two is all about don't quit on God. And I want to show you this morning that wondering is difficult, but waiting is more difficult. And I want to show you this morning three things that Habakkuk does in the waiting, in his hurting, that I believe that you and I should also do. And the first thing is this. The first thing that you need to do while you're waiting The first thing that you need to do while you are hurting and you're waiting for God to do what God should do is the first thing you need to do is you need to listen. You need to listen. You see, Habakkuk doesn't walk away and Habakkuk doesn't quit on God. In fact, we're about to read a scripture where it shows that he actually repositioned himself in a particular place, a strategic place, so that he could see the hand of God and hear the voice of God. Because let's not forget that in chapter one, he turned around when he questioned God about this. God said to him, I'm going to do these amazing things, things that you would not believe unless you saw it with your own eyes. And Habakkuk gets all excited about that. Finally, God's going to do something. And what does he say to Habakkuk? He says, I'm going to send the Babylonians along who are worse than you, and they're going to punish you, and they're going to it's going to get worse, is basically what he's saying. And so you've you got to understand in this moment, he's, he's strategically positioning himself because he wants to see the hand of God and hear the voice of God. It says in Habakkuk 2.1, and it's a famous scripture, it says, I will stand at my watch and station myself at the ramparts, and I will look to see what he, that is God, will say to me. I will position myself in this strategic place and I'll look to see what God is going to say to me. Now, I don't know about you, but I know this from my own life, that when I'm hurting, it's really hard to position myself for listening. Because I don't know about you, but my hurt screams louder than his voice sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah? When you're hurting, you want God to do what he should do, don't you? You know? And so we do things like this. God, if you do this and this for me, if you heal my auntie, if you heal my nana, if you heal my, if you do this for me, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Oh, it's gone quiet now. I will serve you for the rest of my life. I'll lay down my life for you. If you just do this one thing for me, in fact, if you heal my auntie, then I'll go around and we'll we'll make sure everybody knows about it and it's gonna bring glory to your name and I'm gonna boast about who you are. I'm gonna brag on you. But God, if if you don't do what I want you to do, how can I defend you? How How can I go around telling people about your goodness when you're actually not doing anything? You see, the problem is, is we want to tell God what to do. We don't want to listen to what he has to say. We want to tell him what he should do. You know, I I experience this on a regular basis, probably as a parent. I don't want to listen to what my children have to say. I want them to do what I tell them to do. Can I get an amen? Flip, you parents are slow this morning. 
I, I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear the excuses. I don't want to hear, I'll do the dishes later. I'll get it done. Don't stress. Why are you stressing out so much? I'll get them done when I get them done. It's like, no, you do what I want you to do and you do it now. We want to tell them what to do. And we do that with God. We want to tell him what to do. And instead of telling him what to do at those times, what Habakkuk is teaching us is that it's important to listen to him. Habakkuk is going through this saying, God, you should be doing this, you're not doing this, so I'm going to position myself strategically so that I can hear from you. Why? Because our God is a God who speaks, and God speaks through his word, and if you are a follower of Christ, you should be in his word daily. You should be feeding on it. Why? Because it's not words on pages. Every verse has his voice. It's alive. It's living. It's active. It's powerful. It can separate things. It's more powerful than anything on the face of the planet. And if we're not feeding on his word and hearing from his word, then how do we know what's going on? We're going to run around like headless chickens telling him what he should be doing when God is actually trying to tell us what he is doing and we can't hear him because our hurt is screaming so loud we don't listen to him but the thing is as he speaks to you he'll speak to you through your spirit he'll speak to you through your soul your mind your will and your emotions he'll speak to you sometimes louder internally than you'd hear a voice audibly he can speak to you through people he can speak to you through your children have you ever had that moment were you having a bit of an issue with God and then your kid comes along and says some random thing out of the blue that you never realized that they would say before and you realize that that's not them because they're just not that intelligent? <laughs> not, not in my family. Rima was telling me about this the other day with his kids. Yeah. And you know, God's speaking to you. When I was having a little bit of a whinge one day about things and I was saying, I was half joking, but how many people know that there's always a bit of real truth in your joking, yes? And I'm saying, God hates me and he doesn't like me, you know, just doing that. And then Seth turns around and says, Dad, are you mocking God? You need to go to your room and make your bed like I told you to. <laughs> but you know God's speaking to you. God can speak to you through people. God can speak to you through circumstances. He can speak to you through a message on a Sunday morning. He can speak to you through a song that you hear. He can speak to you. And here's the thing, you're like, oh, God doesn't speak to me. Well, if he's not, if you can't hear him, don't panic. Because here's the thing, his silence doesn't mean that he's absent. His silence doesn't mean that he's absent. It's easy to say God is always with me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me until you're in a moment where you feel like he has. But we either believe it or we don't. He is always there. He is always with you. You need to listen for his voice. Now, let me just warn you in the process of listening to his voice, this is what's going to happen sometimes. Sometimes you're going to hear things from him that you actually don't want to hear. Which is exactly what happened with Habakkuk, yeah, in chapter one. I'm gonna do something amazing, Habakkuk. Woohoo! About time. About time you turned up. I'm gonna get the Babylonians to come along and they're gonna raise up an army against you and the people and they're gonna bring judgment upon you. Hey, hold on a sec. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to hear. 
that's not what I was expecting. That's not what I'm looking for, God. God, God, I asked you to do this and you're doing the opposite. That's not what I wanted to hear. You see, sometimes God will speak to you and he'll say something that you don't want to hear. The Apostle Paul is a classic in 2 Corinthians 12. He says this, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Let me just clarify, Paul was never married, so don't think the messenger is... Okay, that one didn't work. (laughs) To torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon you. You know what? He didn't, he didn't tell Paul what Paul wanted to hear. He says, I pleaded, I begged, I got down on my, I groveled three times that he would take this away from me. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know about you, but if I was Paul, I said, I don't want your grace. I want your power to get this thing out of my life. You're not doing, you're not hearing me. Have you ever had that conversation with little people? You're not hearing me. No, I'm hearing you. I just don't agree with you. I need you to do something else. If I'm Paul, I'm kind of like going to God, hey, hang on a sec. I have been beaten for you. I have been shipwrecked for you. I have been cast out of towns. I have been whipped across my back. I have been bitten by a snake. I have been stoned, not the recreational way, but literal stone stoning. I've had all those things happen to me. I I want your grace. I want your power. Don't give me this grace business. After all I've been through, give me some power in this situation. And what does God do? No, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you grace. Why? Because what you want is not what I'm going to give you. Because what I'm going to give you is so much better than what you want. And so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to listen. Because if he has our best things in his heart, if his intentions are best for us, if he has our needs as his most important thing, it's not about what you want, it's about what you need. And God doesn't respond to wants, he responds to needs. And he will give you what you need, not what you want. And if you're not listening, you'll miss the very thing that you need. Number one, listen. Number two, write. Number two, write. We write it down. We document what he says to us. We record what God says. In verse two of chapter two, he says, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation. Write down what it is that I've spoken to you and make it plain on tablets. Why do we, why do we need to write it down? Why do we need to write down what God says to us? I'll tell you why. Because there is an enemy called the devil whose mission is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And what he wants to do is he wants to take from you the very thing that God says to you. He wants to take from you the very thing that God says to you. God will give you a word God will give you faith, and you have that moment and that peace, and it all starts to happen. 
and, and you start to feel it and you start to, you know, those moments that you have and it's like the light bulb comes on. The enemy wants to take that very word that God gives you and he wants to remove it from you. Here's one of the ways that he does it. This might sound familiar to you. You're in church, you're going for a bit of a difficult time and then something happens during the worship or something happens during the message or even something happens in the conversation with someone before church or after church and it's like God gives you this word and you get excited and you're like, oh, thank you, God. The amount of times I have people come up to me afterwards, it's like, were you reading my mail this week? That was just so a word for me and, and they're all excited about it. And so you get in the car, your faith is built, you feel like you've heard from God, you're excited about it. It, you're in the car, you're driving home, the kids start fighting. You get home, you're trying to get them to stop fighting, you get in the door, and by the time you get in the door, because the kids have been fighting on the way home from the church, the very thing that you hopped in the car with, saying, God spoke to me, by the time you get into the house, sort them out, and start thinking about what you're going to do for lunch, you're like, did God really speak to me this morning? Why? Because the enemy will do everything he can to distract you from the very thing that God said to you and he'll use any means possible to rob you of the thing that God said. And so what you've got to do is by the time you get home, even if you're starting to doubt whether God spoke to you, you've got to get a pen and paper out and you've got to write down, God spoke to me this morning, 28th of June. He said this about my situation and you hold on to it. Why? Because every time you start to doubt, you go back to that and you open it up. No, no, no. God said every time the enemy tries to steal what it is that God spoke to you, you go, no, 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 no. You don't understand. God said, I've got it written down. I've got a record of what he said. That's why I have an encouragement folder on my laptop. And every time I start to feel flat and every time I start to feel down and every time I start to doubt and every time I feel inadequate as a pastor, and feel like I shouldn't be doing this because I'm no better than you are. It's just what God's called me to do. I pull it out and I start to read and remind myself of the words that God had over me when I was eight, when I was 10, when I was 12, when I was 14, when I was 21. And I remind myself, this is what God said. And I don't care what you say, devil. This is what God said to me. And I remind myself. And as I speak those words that he spoke to me and those moments over me again, that moment happens again and faith starts to lift on the inside of me and hope starts to come the doubts start to diminish why because I wrote it down so that I can talk it back to him because every time Jesus was tempted by the enemy his response was it is written and every time he tries to rob you of the very thing that God said you say it is written he said this about me we write it down, we document it, we put it on paper and we go back to it time and time again and we hang on to what he said, we believe it, we embrace it, we try to live it. Don't let your enemy take it from you. The third thing is, and this is the hardest thing of the three, first thing is listen, the second thing is write and the last thing is wait. Wait. Wondering is no fun. Wondering why God isn't doing what he should do is no fun at all, but waiting is worse. You know why? Because sometimes when you get a word from God, you're going to wait, and you're going to wait, and you're going to wait, and you're going to wait on the faithfulness of God. And for some of you right now, this morning, in this moment, in this place, you're waiting and you're waiting, will my child ever come back to Christ? 
you're waiting, you're praying, you feel like God spoke to you about it, you want to see it, but you don't see it. Will it ever happen? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Is God ever going to hear the cry of my heart? Is God ever going to give me the job that I want? Is God ever going to stop these migraines that I seem to have day after day? Is God ever going to get me out of this depression I seem to find myself in, which holds me down? Is God, I know his promises. I know that he says that, but is it ever going to happen? I'm waiting. I'm praying. I'm trying to believe. And Habakkuk says this in verse 3, says, the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, hear it, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. What do you mean it will not delay? You just said I have to wait for it. I don't want to wait for it because when I go for McDonald's drive-thru, if they take more than 30 seconds to make my burger, I'm asking for free chips. Yes? Or at home sometimes, a particular member of my household who will remain nameless. It'll be like, I'm hungry, what is there to eat? Well, there's this and this and this. Well, how long will that take to cook? Probably about 20, 25 minutes. Well, I don't want to wait that long. Well, I suppose you're going to starve then. We don't like waiting, do we? Yeah? That's why I spent my whole entire time over lockdown period, every time I went for a walk in the morning, I'm looking at the pack and save line. Because I'm not standing in that line halfway around Pukekohe waiting to get into the supermarket. I don't care what's going on, I'm not doing that. So when I was going for a walk one morning, and you've heard me say this before, one morning with Trinity, and all of a sudden, I see there's two people in line at Pick and Save, and I'm saying to her, forget the walk, I'm going to do the groceries. I don't want to wait. Yes, praise God for level one, I don't have to wait in line any longer. We don't like waiting, but God is saying, Wait. And some of you right now, you're lingering and you're waiting and it feels like it's taking forever. But he says, though it lingers, wait for it. Though it lingers, wait for it. Actually, I really love the way that the living uh, Bible translates this verse. Listen to what it says. It says, but these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. It seems slow, but don't despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. An appointed time. At the appointed time, God will deliver. At the appointed time, He'll respond. At the appointed time, He will do His perfect will. At the appointed time. At the appointed time. What does that mean, appointed time? Well, the Hebrew word for appointed time is moed. And moed virtually means this in English. It means the perfect, unstoppable timing of God. The perfect, unstoppable timing of God. At the appointed time. At the perfect, unstoppable timing of God, it's going to happen. At the Moed, it's going to happen. At the perfectly, unstoppable timing 
of God. Here's the thing, if it's not, if it's not, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. But if it is God's time, you can't stop it. It's the perfect, unstoppable time of God. If you try to force it, it won't happen. But if it's God's timing, you won't be able to stop it. You won't be able to stop it. Though it linger, wait for it, His timing is perfect. And you may say, it, may, it takes forever, I, I continue to wait, I'm not seeing it, it's not coming to pass, it, it's not happening. Well, I hope you remember that you're in the waiting zone. And when you're in the waiting zone for God to move, that God's delays are not His denials. At no stage as they say to Habakkuk, this isn't going to happen. He's saying, just wait. It's coming. It's going to happen. Just because you haven't seen it does not mean that God's not doing something about it. We sing that song, even though I can't see what is happening, I know that you're still working. Come on, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not happening. Though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, he says, wait for it. At God's appointed time, it is perfectly unstoppable time. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. You see, Habakkuk in this moment, he's beside himself because he knows the Babylonians are coming. And he wants to know from God, when, when will they get what they're due? When will they get what, what's coming to them? And if you read chapter two of Habakkuk, you'll see there are five woes that God says, woe to the Babylonians, woe. In other words, God's saying, don't you worry, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get them. They're gonna pay a price. I think their Jews are coming. They're coming, they're coming. But Habakkuk's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm waiting. Like, when? When, God, are you going to bring justice to them? When are you going to do this? I, I don't understand. He's confused. And this is what God says to him in that moment of when are they going to get what they deserve? He says this in verse 4. He says, see the enemy, Babylonian, is puffed up. His desires are not upright. In other words, he goes, I know they're bad. I know these guys are bad. But listen to what he says to Habakkuk. But... The righteous person will live by God's faithfulness. I, I know these guys are bad. I know that they should be punished. I know that they need to get what's coming to them. And I'll do that. But, but your focus is on them. And I'm trying to tell you this morning, Habakkuk, stop looking at what they deserve and understand this, that the righteous person, the righteous person will live by God's faithfulness. We'll live by God's faithfulness. God acknowledges that the Babylonians are evil, but God is not talking to the Babylonians. He's talking to Habakkuk and He's saying, listen to me, Habakkuk, the righteous person will live by God's faithfulness. We'll live by the faithfulness of God. The New Testament says this, that the righteous will live by faith, that we walk by faith and not by sight. 
We don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by what we don't understand. We walk by the faithfulness of God. Our faith is not based on what we see or what we want or what we get in a desired outcome. Our faith is based on the character and the goodness and the nature of God. And we live by faith. We don't live by what we see. We don't live by our circumstances. We live by His character and His goodness. God is love. Love isn't something that He does. It's who He is. God is healer. He doesn't do healings. He is healer. He is our provider. He doesn't do providing. He is provision. He's all those things. And we walk by faith in the character and the goodness and the faithfulness of our God because we know He came through for us here. So we know He's going to come through for us now. We may have to wait and we may have to linger, but we walk by faith and not by sight. The righteous will live by faith. And let me just say this to you this morning. I read this this morning and I thought this is so good. I had to share it with you. I've always thought to myself that the opposite of faith is doubt. You know what the opposite of faith is? It's not doubt, it's control. We don't step out in faith because we want control. Not because we doubt. Because there are plenty of people in this room, including myself, where there have been moments I have not stepped out in faith. And it's not because I don't believe in Him, it's just because I want to control my world. And stepping out in faith makes me nervous because it means I've got to put all my trust in Him. The opposite of faith is not doubt, it's control. You don't step out in faith because you don't trust Him with control. It's not because you doubt Him. It's because we want control. The righteous will live by faith, even though I don't see it with my own eyes. I will fight to trust you. I've been saying that to myself this week. God, I'm going to fight to trust you. God, with all of my heart, even though everything I want you to do, you're not doing. Does that sound right for some people here this morning? I fight to trust you. Why? Because I wait on your goodness. I wait on your glory to be revealed. Though it linger, I wait for it. Though it's still not coming, I will wait for it. I will wait for it. And Habakkuk is disturbed and he's confused and he's upset and he's angry and he feels betrayed and he's questioning and he's doubting and he's trying to hang on and he's trying to stay in there. And then he says what I think are the three most incredible words he says in verse 20, which is something that we need to say to ourselves. In verse 20, he says, but the Lord... I've got all these questions. I've got all this confusion. I don't understand why you're not doing what I want you to do. I don't understand why you're letting this happen. I don't understand why you're not stepping in. I don't understand this. I'm waiting for your promises to come to pass, but they're not happening. It feels like it's taking forever. I don't understand what's going on, God. I know that you're saying that you're appointed time. I know I've got to wait. I know I've got to linger. And he's got all this confusion. He's got all this doubt. He's got this crisis of faith going on. And then he says, but the Lord is in His holy temple. Even though I don't get it, even though things aren't going the way I think they should, I remind myself that God is on the throne. 
that he is in his holy temple. And no matter what I see, I choose faith. No matter what I feel, I choose faith. No, even if my if my doubts, I will lift my hands. Even in my concerns, I will not walk away. I don't see it the way that God sees it, but I know that where it seems like there is no way, His Word says He always provides a way. I'm hurting, but I choose to trust God. I don't see what I want to see, but because of the faithfulness of God, because of the character of God, I'll choose to walk by faith and not by what I see. I don't understand this, but I believe with everything in me that God is still good and God is still on the throne, but the Lord is in His holy temple. And just because He is still there, I can worship Him even though I can't see Him move. I can praise him before I see anything happens. Even in the waiting, I believe God is good. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Don't quit on God. Don't linger. Don't quit on Him. Don't give up. When it's God's time, remember, it's unstoppable. Nothing can get in front of it. The appointed time of God is an unstoppable force. Doesn't matter what anyone says or anyone does, it's unstoppable. You just have to wait for it. You don't want to have to fight for your circumstances. You don't want to have to fight for your situations. If you would just linger, if you would just wait, and if you would just... Ask God the tough questions. He's okay with your doubts. He's okay with your questioning. But always remember this. But the Lord is in the holy temple. But the Lord is on the throne. He's still the King of kings. And He's still the Lord of lords. And He's still good in the waiting. Don't quit on God. In chapter 1, it's don't walk away from Him. In chapter 2, it's don't quit on Him. He's big enough to handle the wrestling. He's big enough to handle the doubts. You just need to embrace Him. We need to pray prayers that says, God, speak. Not in the way that I want to hear, but in the way that I need to hear. And even when I hear the things I don't want to hear, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to record it. I'm going to document it. And this is what we need to say to Him this morning. God, I'm going to wait on Your promises. I'm going to wait on Your goodness. I'm going to wait on Your faithfulness. God, I'm going to wait on You. But God is in His holy temple. You may not see what you want to see, but it doesn't mean that He's not working. We need to listen, we need to write, and we need to wait. Listen, write, wait, because His promises are yes and amen. And it's the double-minded person that's unstable in all of their ways. Some of the instabilities that I've had in my life has been my own fault because I've been double-minded and trying to control my life and saying that I'm trusting Him at the same time. If I'm trying to control, I'm not trusting. And if I'm trusting, I'm not trying to control. But I'm trusting in His promises and I'm just, God, I'm waiting. I'm lingering because I know that when Moed comes, it's unstoppable. I'm waiting. 
I'm going to, like Habakkuk, I'm going to position myself strategically so that I can see and hear Him coming. But while I wait, but the Lord is in His holy temple. Why don't we just all close?